Hi guys, this is Paul Capon from the Innovation Community. Today, we're here with Dan O'Neill, a global B2C IT business partner at DSM. Uh, Dan helps enable iHealth's business objectives through the effective use of IT and, and digital technologies. So uh, great to have you with us, Dan. Uh, Paul, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on. Uh, that was a bit of a mouthful, um, you know, the iHealth business objectives. Just tell us a little bit about that and yourself in a few words. Yeah, you should see my business card, Paul. It's pretty wide. Uh, so, Paul, thanks for the time. Uh, so what I'm responsible for, uh, actually before that, I'm a, a happily married uh, dad. I've been married for 15 years. I have two beautiful daughters, and they'll see this someday. So hi, guys. Uh, I'm currently responsible uh, for a wholly owned subsidiary, which is part of DSM. And this wholly owned subsidiary is one of the few areas of DSM that's uh, focused on CPG, so, so consumer goods. Most of the other areas are raw materials. So I'm embedded in a wholly owned subsidiary. It's about $300 million revenue. And I'm responsible for the execution of IT strategy uh, for the whole business. So uh, as much as my background coming up was in data, uh, my focus now is across everything from infrastructure to business apps to you name it. Uh, if it's broken, it usually comes by my desk. So it's a great opportunity. It, it's broadened my responsibilities and I've been there for 11 months. Hmm. And your career didn't, didn't really start at DSM as, as we know. Where did your data career really start? Yeah, so I was lucky enough. I, I live in Connecticut here, Paul, and uh, one of the biggest uh, companies in Connecticut, most famous than many people around the world when there was the Gartner. So I, after I finished my undergrad in management information systems, I started at Gartner. I did a little bit in sales operations and went to um, the business side. I worked in their executive programs for a little bit, got exposed to CIOs. But I really didn't turn the data corner until I started as a, a business analyst there in their business intelligence group. So before anybody out there gets excited, I didn't write any BI uh, articles or anything. I was working on the technology side, Paul. So it was, it was a great, great opportunity. Got exposed to some fantastic people. Uh, very, br very bright people. Um, but I started there uh, implementing one of their uh, business intelligence systems at the time. And then I evolved on to progressive roles. Uh, I moved over to Avon products uh, where I was a, a, a project manager around business intelligence globally. Uh, and then I was lucky enough to have a fantastic director. I worked with there, Danny Siegel, who's also big in the uh, business intelligence space. Uh, and he uh, asked me to join him for a brand new build down in Cody in New York City. So they were putting in a business intelligence uh, platform from the ground up. Uh, and he asked me if I wanted to be part of the team. And it was a great experience to see the evolution from those initial days of requirements all the way through the maturity curve, going up the maturity curve from a BI platform. So it was, it was really a fantastic opportunity, Paul. And, and uh, that uh, I, I was the lead in a BI uh, center of excellence there. Uh, I moved to business facing globally for business intelligence for the finance organization. So uh, it was a, a fantastic experience. I was there for five and a half years. Yeah, we're only a couple of minutes in and I can already tell that you have a, a passion for, for this. What, what really interests you about working in this space? It, you know what, Paul, and I come up, I come up on the, the uh, I would say the application side. So I, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, do I know SQL yet? Did I code a lot? Enough. But I really was on the forefront of working with business people my whole career. And uh, I really think that's where the passion comes from is I realize what, what the business is looking for and the IT capabilities that can potentially bridge uh, some of those gaps 
uh, or provide that, that um, uh, strategic insight they might not have today. So it, it's really just a great spot to be in to see how far the, the, the evolution of technology has gone, especially data. And the mounds of data we get today from when I first started, and I was just worried about what was coming out of an ERP system. Now it's Internet of Things. It's, it's, it, it's immense. So it's really such an ex- exciting time uh, to be in this space, Paul. Yeah, it's not, it's not only that that's changed over the last 10 years, but it's, it's rapidly changing now, as you, you just said. You touched uh, on, on some of the organizations you've worked for. What are some mm-hmm. of the major successes that you've achieved throughout your career? Sure. So um, I would say the first, uh, the most significant was the implementation of the Enterprise BI platform at Cody. Um, it was why I was brought in. I worked with a fantastic team, a team that was distributed in the UK. Uh, they were all over the world and, and to work with such class people who really cared as much as I did to stand up a solution like that at a time where there were, you know, it was kind of hodgepodge uh, reporting. You get things from Excel, things from SAPBW. To actually bring it all together, uh, the foundation, and then actually once you get through that 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 initial those initial growing pains have have capabilities that really change the business. It was it was such a good feeling to be there from like the birth of your child, seeing them off to college. That's really what it felt like, and uh, that was that was the most significant there. The other piece of Cody, and this was one of the things I was very lucky to be a part of. Uh, we had a, a significant acquisition, um, some of your viewers might even know about it, in two, 2017, where we acquired Procter & Gamble's beauty business. So at the time, MicroStrategy is what we were using, and we were right at that point where we were going to get into some advanced things, and, you know, sky was the limit, and then we, we, were, uh, we were told in 12 months we had to, to complete this acquisition. So we were going to double the size of our business, double the, more than double the employees, and we had to get all of their uh, employees onto our BI platform. And we were able to do it in a 12-month uh, regional release uh, progression. Uh, and it was really one of the things, and I, I had a, a, a partner of mine in France who was just instrumental to us both being successful. Um, and I really think that was one of the biggest things, Paul, because to do something of that scale, the change management, the requirements that we needed to, to get – it, it really was one of the big, biggest successes of my career. I'm grateful to, for the people I worked with. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about a, a small business unit of P&G, but this was a, a pretty significant one as well. Yeah. So, so at the time, Paul, all of their beauty, uh, um, their, their professional beauty division, their hair um, uh, and color, uh, Cody was acquiring. And, you know, that was going to take Cody from having very little uh, presence in like professional hair care to making them the leader, right? Uh, Extending some of the professional divisions at Cody at the time. So this was as much as it was um, uh, uh, an acquisition, you know, most people go through just acquiring small ones. This was completely transforming the business in a way way that uh, people didn't know what to expect coming out the other side. And then you know, that's just the business side, bringing the IT side into it. You know, you're asking the questions, can we support it? Do we have the people to do it? Do we have, uh, are there capabilities that they have that we don't, right? And, and that's why when we talk about it, and I look back at it with uh, uh, now being years, a few years removed, it was really a, a, such a, a, an opportunity that not only was I able to be a part of, but able to deliver successfully. 
yeah, we that was the you know the the acquisition was the start, the the success was the end. What were some of the challenges that came about in the middle of that? Yeah, so the the the, the challenges along the way, uh, we had a I, I'm ba- at the time based in New York City, and we're talking a global company has a very strong European presence and Asian Middle East presence. Uh, my role at the time was going out and actually man- doing change management on site days of presentations, going out and having to one day explain to the sales organization how this change is going to impact them, how these changes are going to impact the finance team uh, and, and the way that they do their business. You know, they haven't, the biggest challenge was if you look at the way IT impacts people, right? A finance organization, they have to worry about the changes in the ERP system before I can ever start talking about the reporting. Right. So being able to manage these things as you go through and have some perspective of what the these employees at the time had to manage just personally to do their job, you know, not worrying about the data piece. There was a a significant amount of change management, but um, being able to get out in front of these people, set their expectations, let them know things are going to evolve. Not everything's going to happen overnight. We get that. But to let the people and the customers, our internal customers, know that we have um, uh, we have their backs and their support, no matter what time zone, uh, no matter what location, having the support of the global IT organization really went a long way. Because, and I see it today in my current job, depending upon where you are, you're either part of the mothership, you're you're close to corporate, or you're on a, you're on an island in, on the other side of the globe. So being able to bring these people together and let them know they have peers who are in the same situation, but they have the support of the, the technology organization, Paul. It was, it was a challenge by, by, uh, um, in many ways, uh, but it was something we were able to, to be successful with. And they felt like they got a lot of support uh, from myself and my peers. And, and change is hard to swallow. So that's that's something that I'm sure really helped uh, everybody else with with the buy and the fact that you mentioned you were supporting those people. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it's change is difficult, and there's a cultural aspect to it, right? You have you have um, individuals who might be new in a business, they might be millennials that are more adapt to change, and then you have people who are established in their ways, who've worked with companies for a longer amount of time, where change isn't always a good thing. Uh, so one of the things I always focus on is that I always put myself in the shoes of the person I'm working with is how do I make your life easier? And I, and it's not, it's not like a, a line, you know, something I, I, I just say to anybody, I need to know what challenges I can help that'll make your, uh, day-to-day activities much easier. And it's something that I think we miss in IT and, and, in you know, just looking at IT broader, Paul, um, we're focused on technologies and doing things faster and quicker. We have to remember the business only, we can only move as fast as the business. Right. And, and I, I deal with this challenge today and you kind of have to take a step back and take a deep breath and say, okay, I know what we could potentially do, but what are the steps that are going to put us in a position to, to leverage some of these capabilities? Hmm. Yeah. And of course you need that buy-in and someone who's, who's, who's been, working pretty fundamentally in IT organizations. Um, you've probably seen a lot about new technology and, and new trends. With that experience, how are you currently leveraging that to your advantage and what effects do you think it will have on the landscape over the next few years? 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I certainly see it a lot. And, it, and it's, it's been good moving from a, a one large corporation to another large corporation to see how, how, how things differ and where one area where the new place might be more mature or the old place might be mature. I think that one of the things I'm seeing a lot is around, you know, ro- robotics and process automation. Uh, it, it really does change the landscape of how people can be more efficient. Now, that's a tr- it's a tricky topic, right? Because when you talk to people who are doing or are in a position where they their day-to-day job could potentially be replaced by a robot, nobody wants to talk about that, right? Because there's a, a potential impact on their career, their job. Um, it's a slippery slope, Paul, but the I think the the thing I'm seeing now is that it's broader than that. There's so many different processes within the organizations I've worked in that, that can be made more efficient, that can really reduce the, the day-to-day oper- operational work um, by leveraging these types of technologies. So we're, we're seeing it today. And, and with these big organizations where you have multiple divisions and multiple business groups, Paul, the maturity level, and, and it's not only where I am now, but even where I was, there are some places that are much more advanced and are you know, cruising along and there are others that are still waiting to, to, to get in the game. Yeah, and even something as simple as some business units looking at AI and machine learning versus some, some guys just trying to get clean data and the single version of the truth. Um, that's going to yeah. have a huge impact. Yeah, it's, it, and it's one of the battles uh, you know, I fight today is, is I, you know, I have parts of the business that are really just trying to get on, on board with, with basic reporting and business intelligence and cool visuals and things like that to get off of PDFs. And then I have other parts of the business that are needed to, to chew through lots of information very quickly. I, you know, I work in, on the CPG side. You know, I'm in a small subsidiary who's, who's, who's battling against the P&Gs of the world. These other big corporations have lots of resources. So, you know, we, we do our best and you, you kind of, you have to focus on the battles you can win and, and you, you have to prioritize based on what's going to bring the biggest value back to the business. Yeah, well, at least DSM has someone switched on like you to. I was going to say drive the train, but maybe maybe push the train is a better um, a better. I, I can't do no train references. I just spent two hours. Uh, I was spending two hours or four hours a day commuting to New York, so my wife <laughs> to uh, focus on the car and the shorter drive to uh, my new office in in Connecticut. <laughs> we let it that part out. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, moving back to the, the people side, how do you, how have you in the past engaged and, and communicated with senior leadership on these issues? Cause that's obviously a challenge in itself. Yeah. So uh, I'll start with the, where I currently am, uh, Paul. So since I'm based in a wholly owned subsidiary that reports up to the nutritional products division at DSM, I'm lucky enough to have a seat at the table on the operational leadership team at iHealth. So iHealth, it's a nutraceuticals company, and I, I'm lucky enough to work closely with the, the head of sales, the head of marketing, the head of strategy. Um, so we really, we really try to focus their, the, the technology decisions on how do we enable their strategy, right? So I'm lucky now I'm in arm's reach of a lot of these people uh, because it, it, it's a subsidiary. It's a little bit smaller than where I was at Cody. At Cody, I was in a position where I was the point person for data for three CI, three CFOs uh, who work globally. So, you know, the thing people, I would say, have to remember with, with senior leadership, they got there for a reason, right? They're people at the end of the day. They're people who want insights. It, I, I, 
I've had very few cases where I work with people who are difficult to, to get along with. Now, I'm sure there, there are certainly exceptions out there, but the norm for me was that you take a step back, take the roles off, figure out, you know, what are you trying to achieve from an organizational standpoint? What's gonna, what are your strategic objectives over the next year? How do you prioritize them? How do I, how do I uh, communicate what's feasible, right? And set the right expectations, Paul. So listen, at the end of the day, you know, strategic leader, business analyst, treat people the way they want to be treated. It's really the community, if the communication's there, the success will follow. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that, that's interesting because a lot of the people I speak to actually, sometimes it's bottom up is the problem. Sometimes it is top down. That's more of an issue, but it sounds like, again, you've got it nailed down. Uh, where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement? in your current organization? Um, it, it, it's a tricky question because subsidiary to corporation, it's, it's two different discussions. I think where we are now, there's a lot of change around not only, uh, not, not only at iHealth, but I think around a lot of big corporations, whether it's, you know, the discussions around Teams or Outlook and Skype and Power BI and, and all of these you know, there's so much moving and, and all these new capabilities that we're starting to see in Microsoft Office, you know, or you know, not just the, the cloud, you know, there's, there's new apps coming out every day that I can't even keep up with. And when you try to communicate this stuff to users, they're in the same spot. It's, it's hey, I want to use this stuff. What do I do? How do I do it? And a lot of our, a lot of these big corporations, you know, that I've, I've, I've talked to or been exposed to, we don't have the coverage to, 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 to be able to help people adopt these things. I, you know, I'm, I, I put on, uh, I put on my techie hat every now and again and want to, I go in and dabble in a few things and I'm like, Whoa, this is great stuff. But at the end of the day, we have all these capabilities, Paul, we need people to support them. We need people to understand them. And that's not always at the fore and it's very difficult to keep up with. So from a user standpoint, you know, making sense of all this digital madness, we all have digital strategies we're trying to implement and, and work against. It, it's, it's kind of, being able to sort things out and understand what, what's going to add the most value. Uh, it's, it's, it's really becoming a a challenge, a good challenge, but it's becoming a challenge today. Yeah. Just to take that down to the micro level. I just bought yesterday a Garmin Phoenix five. We're not sponsored by Garmin, by the way. Don't Um, worry. I have my, uh, my Garmin's on right now. Don't look at me. Well, <laughs> well I, I bought this yesterday and I only just found out you can add apps and stuff to it. And that's on an individual level. So if we're talking organization, that problem's, you know, multiplied by thousands. Um, yeah. You no, know, you're spot on, Paul. And, and the thing is, is there's like, there's so many good capabilities available today that, you know, you needed a special, you know, things like publisher or these, like you needed specialists who knew these things. These are, it's like a gigantic Swiss army knife now, right? There's just a capability for everything you need to do and it's available. And, you know, from an IT standpoint, it's tough to communicate all of this stuff because at the end of the day, the evangelist uh, of this is usually the guy who last touched it. And I know a lot of people out there know the guy who last touched it usually owns it, right? So it's, it's, it's a tough line to walk. There's, there's some great opportunity out there, but I, I'd say from an end user standpoint, keeping up with everything is just, it's, it's, it's not easy today. Yeah, baby steps, I think. We've spoken a lot about your your pretty outstanding career. In your opinion, what was the, or one of the biggest mistakes that you made throughout your career, Dan? I would say, and I'm I'm transparent on this, and I'm sure some of my peers at Cody will will probably agree, but won't won't tell me they agree. Uh, we had at the the last 
16 months of my career at Cody, we made us the enterprise BI platform we put in when I first started. They felt it was it wasn't going to be able to scale up for the new business. So we we made a move to the to a, a new platform. Um, it's you know from a BI standpoint, and it was sold to us uh, and because we were big partners of a. a uh, ERP company from Germany, it was sold to us as a solution that was going to, to uh, replace what we had had. And we were going to do it easily in a 14, you know, 12 to 14 month uh, um, uh, engagement. And I remember sitting in the, in the meeting, Paul, when the, you know, the, the sales guys have the easiest jobs. They can sell it, but they don't have to implement it and maintain it. And I remember sitting in that room with about a thousand questions because I knew the system so well. And I just had a gut feeling. I was like, this is not going to be easy. And I don't think they know what they're getting into. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it, it, it was a gigantic challenge that ran way over schedule and way over budget. And um, I, I, I really, if the, in hindsight being 2020, I, you know, I really wish that we had challenged uh, the team that brought the solution in at the time because it really, it, 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 it it wasn't successful, even though we got to a, the, the, I think we, the, the deployment, the first deployment was two days before I left. Um, I don't mind admitting it. I, I like being transparent because not everything's rose, you know, roses here. Um, I really wish I had, I, I had, had put up a bigger, a bigger fight to, to kind of rethink our, our, um, our approach. Mm. Well, it's, um, you, you know, success is great, but I think uh, everybody says you learn more from mistakes. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a, that's for a different call <laughs> <laughs> cool so last couple of questions uh, sure. what's the best piece of advice you received uh i would say and it's it's i hate to dig deep into the well for this one paul i had i, I have great parents and you know hard-working parents and they always said you know treat people the way you want to be treated right and i live by that at work, I live by it at you know at home, um, and I see a lot of I've seen it a lot along my, around my career, being in meetings with people who just you know if they if they had just taken a step back and realized that at the end of the day, you know what, we go home to our families, we go home to other things outside of work, you know, treat people the way they want to be, you want to be treated, and if you live by that, you'll be very successful, and and especially in technology. Because, you know, we're looked at as, as just being, you know, one-sided or one-directional in the way we think. There's a lot of smart people who have broad knowledge of not only IT but technology. And being looked at as a – I want people to make sure that when they work with their customers, put yourself in their position, right? Don't overcomplicate things. Try and fix the things you know that are going to add the most value, all right? And try and, try and treat these people as a long-term partner. Because at the end of the day, there's no bigger proponent of, of what, uh, what we do than the people we serve or the people we work with. And I, I got to be honest with you, Paul, I, I'm, as, as you can tell, I'm, I, I try to come, come across as, as very transparent and someone who, who, I, who, who I want uh, my customers to be a partner with, right? So that's one of the biggest things, Paul, is really just treat people the way you want to be treated. Take the technology out of it. Take everything. Get to know your customers and treat them, you know, in a way that's going to be conducive to a long-term relationship. 
what are you curious about right now? I'll tell you the one thing and, and uh, it, it, which I'm interested in, and this is this, I was happy. I saw this as a question you're going to ask me um, power BI and these data discovery tools and what the evolution is in big organizations versus these enter- the enterprise BI suites, the micro strategies, the business objects, because I'll, I'll tell you, when I was at Cody, a Power BI was like a weed grown in my lawn. I couldn't, I couldn't kill enough of them or, or try and shut them down. And when I got over to uh, where I am in, uh, in DSM, in a small subsidiary where they, they had some reporting challenges, that was the, the moneymaker. I mean, just being able to have access to it and leverage it, it made total sense. And, and I, I understood once I was in my new position why so many of those small kind of outside the, the, the central hub of the corporation, all those small offices were making, were, were, were trying to have these, what I consider at the time, shadow IT, you know, uh, um, uh, re, you know, reporting solutions. Now I know why I get it now. And, and uh, I really am interested to see how this relationship evolves over time, you know, and, and, and who comes out on top because there's so many capabilities, Paul, that are going to allow, um, allow us to be successful, but we have to be able to point our users to a a strategy for when do you use what? Yeah. It's next question is, is not necessarily tech focused. It's not business focused, but who's your favorite thought leader or author or influencer? I I have to be honest. The guy who, who always intrigued me and, and, you know, I, I might be dating myself a little bit was Steve Ballmer. And, and the reason why I say dating myself, I, obviously Steve's around a lot still today, but I always loved his passion. And you see him come out in these, you know, in, in some of the, the symposiums or the events, and he is no filter. His excitement about the things he deploys and he gets behind, I'll tell you, if, if, if I'm looking for people to be part of my team, having just that love of what you do and not, you know, not having any, any, not holding back on how you feel about things, you know, that's really something we don't see anymore in, in the workplace. Everybody wants to be, you know, very tight and business acumen. I get it. And there's times for that, but I, I wish people would just have a little more passion in what they do. And Steve, you know, I, I love watching him when he presents because he's just, he's just out there. And, and, you know, it's really, um, it's really something that, uh, I think if it, a lot of us could show our passion a bit more and, and just do it the right ways, it would really make for a better work environment. What is your favorite quote? So I'm, I'm a music fan and uh, my, my nine-year-old daughter and I started taking up guitar about two years ago. And I recommend anybody who's watching, if you're, you're I'm over 40 now and I started at 40, uh, I'm a big music fan. So my, one of my favorite quotes is uh, once in a while you get shown the light in the strangest places if you look at it right. And it's from Robert Hun- Hunter and Jerry Garcia. And, and I think it, it applies to a lot of what you do and what we do, guys, because at the end of the day, you're, we're dealing with so many problems, right? People are coming to us with so many issues. And the way it's delivered to you, you know, it, it could be the darkest, the gloomiest uh, challenge that that's that you'll encounter. But once you take back and you, you take different perspectives on these issues, uh, it, it, we find out almost all the time that it's, that there's always a solution that that we're able to bring in. And I I, I just always thought it was a cool quote, and uh, 
it's 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 pretty good. So hopefully uh, that that'll do. And there's a few uh, deadheads out there who got that one. <laughs> Last question: What advice would you give for aspiring leaders in data and technology? Yeah, I, I think it goes back, Paul. It, you know, especially if you're you're up and coming. Uh, a few things. One, like I said, treat treat people the way you want to be treated. Understand what the problems are. Don't just take things on on um, uh, you know. Dig into issues a little bit more. Uh, two, one of the things, and and I go back to to the guy who brought me over to Cody. Learn the back office of IT. Understand how you manage your financials, how you manage the the day to day business. You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna get to a level as as you move through um the through through your career where you need to be able to manage financials, understand the P and L, uh, all of these things that really run the business. Because at the end of the day, one you're going to be accountable for budgets, whether it's you know opex and capex, and those things you don't learn those overnight. So anybody who's out there who has the opportunity to be exposed to the financial side of, of running an IT organization or even a data organization, I started it when I was at, at Cody. I really recommend you do that because uh, I think it's something that a lot of people can miss in their career where they can be successful with their technology accomplishments, but the management side of, of IT and, and the IT organization are very important. Wise words from Dan O'Neill, VC IT business partner at DSM. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Paul. It's an absolute pleasure. You're doing a great job. 